Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Chiona podcast. I'm going to apologize in advance. I am currently dying because I literally just got my vaccine or my second vaccination. Your girl's fully vaxxed. I got my vaccination yesterday and I'm kind of like feeling a little bit out of it, but that's normal for um, the first couple of days. So uh, again, I apologize if I sound a little wonky. But today's episode, I wanted to do something a little bit different because I feel like I talk a lot about my dating history, a lot about my childhood, and a lot of that stuff, but I haven't actually talked about a very significant time in my life that taught me so, so many things, and some may or may not know that I lived in Kenya for almost two months, and you're probably thinking, like for those of you that don't know, you're probably thinking, why the hell would you go all the way over there and live there, Uh, leaving your comfortable life, your family, your friends, like everything that you have like why would you leave that and go over there and live over there and even still I had just started dating my ex at that time I want to say him and I had just been dating for like a few months so I had kind of just been like okay well let's do the long distance thing and see how it goes and yeah so I packed up my stuff and I uh, raised all of the money that I needed to work with this organization and I headed over there and I was there for all of August and some of September and so I remember when I had first got this idea in my head, I was like, okay, like this is what I want to do because I just want to explore the world. I want to see what it's like. But part of me had this stereotypical vision that a lot of people from the Western world have about Africa. And I very quickly learned that that is not the way to go about things is you have to go with a clear and open mind and just take things as they are and any sort of misconceptions you have throw them out the window because you have no idea what it's actually like out there until you actually go there and that's funny it's funny that I say that because like even after I came back a lot of people had those questions that were very much based on stereotypes and misconceptions of what living in Africa not even just Kenya but like living in Africa is like but I'm here to challenge those kind of misconceptions that y'all had about the place and talk about some really funny stories and crazy stories that happened to me while I was there. And I'm probably going to make this into a two-part series because there are a lot of things to cover, honey. So I don't think I'll be able to cover it in uh, 25. I'm going to aim for like 25-minute episode, but we shall see. But anyways, as always, um, grab your cafecito, your coffee, your tea, your tea, your Corona, your Summersby. By the way, shout out to Summersby. That is the best drink ever don't even talk to me i love ciders that is usually my drink of choice for the summer i'm just saying so shout out summer's bees but yeah uh, grab your drink of choice and sit back relax and enjoy the story of when i lived in kenya so like i mentioned before a lot of people had a lot of questions as to why i even wanted to do this in the first place and the simple reason for that was because i had on my bucket list that i had always wanted to go to i i mentioned this before I had these misconceptions of these preconceived notions of what Kenya was like and my idea was like trees and nature and wildlife and that's all there is to it right and so on my bucket list I had that I wanted to visit two places I wanted to visit South Africa which is also I did but that's a separate story Uh, South Africa and I also wanted to go to Kenya because I had read in National Geographic that some of the most beautiful wildlife was living there And so I was like, okay, well, I want to go over there and see what it is. But I also had an interest in nonprofit work at the time. Well, I still do, but this is when it really peaked. So I was searching up organizations that I could go and work with or volunteer with so that I could, A, go and get my chance to go and visit Kenya and, and, and do some good work there, but also to just visit and see the sites and everything like that, or more so just to go on a safari ride and see the animals. 
which I did end up doing, by the way, but that's not the point here. And that's definitely not the only thing that I took away from this trip. So anyways, I needed a certain amount of money for me to fund this trip because at the time I was working at Journeys and that only paid me so much. You know what I mean? Like that trip, <laughs> that, that, that trip costed a lot of money. So I was like scrounging up together my savings to go and pay for the ticket and everything like that. But I also needed, um, I needed, I needed to fundraise for like materials and supplies because I did end up finding an organization I wanted to work with. So a material supplies that I was going to send over and actually people donated a whole bunch of stuff for me to put into a suitcase and send over to the kids out there because I was going to be working with very vulnerable communities that didn't necessarily have a lot of resources in terms of clothing and toys and school supplies and stuff like that. So I um, went to, I remember I went with my ex to the dollar store and we bought a whole bunch of school supplies and we bought a whole bunch of stuff for us to bring over or for me to bring over there so that I could distribute it as needed, right? So I ended up making my goal like literally like one month before I was supposed to leave and okay i know what i'm about to say is very controversial but i think it relates very much to what's going on in the world right now is for those of you that think that vaccines to go and leave this country are a new thing of some sort or for some reason you are very much against the idea of getting a vaccine passport never go to africa then because they require you to get certain vaccines otherwise you will not and i repeat you will not be allowed to enter the country so take with that what you will, but um, just wanted to let you know that that's the, the, this type of stuff isn't new information. Um, just step outside of your little westernized bubble for a second. So I also went to get those, and I also had to keep taking medication in order for me to um, prevent these diseases that were also very prevalent in the area that I was staying in. So I, I gathered all that stuff together, and then eventually, yeah, I got my flight, and everything was organized, and I was ready to go. And I remember my dad was like super worried about me going out there because he's like, I don't know what it's like and I don't know where you're staying. And like all of these things started flooding through his mind. My mom, on the other hand, was like, okay, she's an adult. She's not stupid. Like, I'm pretty sure she'll be okay. Like, my mom's the type of person where she'll be worried, but not to the same extent as my dad. Um, we have like this running joke within my <laughs> within my family that my mom is more so like the realistic type of person and my dad is a very exaggerated, dramatic person. And... I can honestly say that that's probably where I get it from. I probably get it from my dad because we exaggerate a lot. We, we're very dramatic. But nonetheless, nonetheless. And I also make this joke too that if anything were to have happened to me in Kenya, if I were to have told my dad like something would have happened, my dad would have found some sort of way to get a boat and travel all the way from Canada to Kenya just to save me and take me home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I ended up going at the beginning of August and I went with this girl who was my roommate actually but we were both flying from Canada so we met up and we left together or we flew together and we went on this whole adventure of flying to Ethiopia and then from Ethiopia going to Kenya because there's no direct flight and so when I got to Kenya I didn't really know what to expect but at the same time I had all these expectations that very like I said very quickly went out the window and so when we got there, we met up with our advisors and we were told where we were going to stay. And then we were also going to meet up with the other girls that were volunteering with us as well. They were in different parts of Canada. So one of the girls was in Ottawa and then another girl was in Alberta, I want to say. Yeah, because she went to school out there. Anyways, we were going to meet up with our other roommates and our homestay families in a couple of days. So we were staying at this really nice hotel for a little while. 
And that's when, again, like my conception of what Kenya was like had just completely gone out the window because it was this like really fancy, really nice resort that we were at, that we were staying at. And I loved it. It was gorgeous. The beach was beautiful. And we got to swim in the pool for a little bit. And then that's when one of our roommates or one of the girls that we were volunteer with, volunteering with, she came that night. And then later on, the other volunteer that we were um, that we were working with, she came a few days later. And it was all really great. Like, I was like, yo, like, this is sick, blah, 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 blah. And I was out here thinking, okay, like, you know, this is outside of my comfort zone, but, like, I'm going to be doing okay. Ha, wrong, my friend. Because immediately after, almost immediately after that is when it went from, like, zero to 100. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in a way that's kind of expressing how privileged and sheltered we are in the Western world. Because I remember when I got to my homestay, my <laughs> my brother, well, I guess, quote unquote, my brother, my homestay brother, he had told me, hey, listen, like there's certain times of the day that you can't go out. Like as a woman, you can't go out, which is nothing new to me now because uh, hello, if you live in the GTA, then you are fearing for your life at night, unfortunately. That's just the way that it is. So it was no different across the world, but it was in a sense that he very much was like, I really need to stress this to you is if you need to go somewhere during these times, you need to be either with me or with dad because it gets very, very dangerous at night. And there were a lot of news reports, actually, during that time when I was there, there were a lot of news reports of these mutilations that were going on, whether it was tourists or locals, um, for female locals and tourists that was going on in the area. So that's why my brother had expressed to me, like, listen, yo, like, I know you're new here and everything like that, but you got to know some stuff. And like, I know you want to explore, but you got to know some stuff. And he was really looking out for me. I was, I was really, this is the one thing about, about African hospitality is that it's very, very, very inviting and warm and welcoming, very similar to Latino culture, where we're very, we're very much the type of people that will treat you like our family immediately after we meet you, unless you do us wrong. It's the same thing with Africans is they are very, very loving and they will accept you into into their home and treat you like one of their own. My homestay parents, let me tell you, that's why I call them my mom and my dad, because that's literally what it was the whole time that I was there. They treated me like I was their daughter and um, it was beautiful, honestly. But in terms of living situation, so we lived in the I guess more suburban area of Mombasa and our other two so it was myself and my roommate and then the other two girls that we were volunteering with they lived more so in the city like the very downtown core of Mombasa so there were buildings and there were a, a lot of there's a lot of traffic and a lot of hustle and bustle going on over there and again these misconceptions that I had psh, completely out the window when I seen what was going on, I was like, holy crap, there is so much activity going on here. I had no idea. I didn't even realize that this was possible. And again, so like seeing things like that is where I was like, yo, like I actually don't know anything about this place, but I'm so looking forward to finding out. And so I remember when we had first gotten to the program office that I was working at, it was like a youth center. Uh, that's where I was majority of the time because a little background, I know I'm trailing off a little bit, but a little bit of background on the organization I was working with. We basically did um, 
outreach programs for youth on the streets. So essentially, we would go to different community areas and then we would set up over there and we would do plays, we would do skits, we would do dance-offs, which were really fun. We would do singing and and all kinds of stuff just to garner people's attention within the community. And I'm telling you, when I when we started doing this and kids started noticing, they would tell their friends and then their friends would tell their friends and then the parents would come out, their uncles, aunts. Like We would get pretty decent crowds of people coming in just to see what the heck was going on because we had like these giant speakers playing afro beats and we also use microphones and like megaphones and stuff to like get the message out or get the word out like hey this is our youth center and we have it to keep kids off the streets so that they can engage in things like sports or anything to do with the arts really it was more so focused on that where we gave these kids an outlet to be able to learn um, that there's more to life than just being on the street and causing problems or causing trouble you can turn from that and turn it into something, um, turn it into something positive, you know, like if you're going to be out and about in the community, you might as well be doing something productive essentially is what their whole goal was. But anyways, when I first got to the program office, I was introduced to a very lovely, lovely advisor and her name was Karen. And the name I know is a very stigmatized right now because we talk about people that complain and people that um, try to think that they're oppressed in some way when they're not. Um, but this woman's name was Karen and I adore that woman and I still keep in touch with her to this day. I, from day one, when we first met, we just immediately clicked. She was such a wonderful person towards me and she just was very understanding about the fact that I had never traveled outside of my home like that before, much less by myself. And so she was really there for me in a lot of ways. Another person who was very key in this whole trip was my friend Tamara. And she was the host of one of the homestays, not the one that I was staying at, but the other two girls in my group, they were staying with her and her mom, who was also a wonderful, wonderful person um, and welcomed us with such open arms and everything like that. But these two women contributed so much to my experience over there, more than they actually know. So when I got to the program office is when I met Tamara and I met Karen and we started talking about the activities that we would do for every week while we were there and each volunteer, so there were four of us, so each volunteer would be assigned with um, with that week's like I guess activities and kind of led the stuff that was going on that week and mine was um, girls empowerment because as a lot of people or may may or may not know I am very very big on that type of stuff like as a as as a girl that grew up in a time where girls sports wasn't really like encouraged all that much or even just altogether like girls in academia and stuff like that it was encouraged but not to the same level as boys was and whatnot like I was huge and I still continue to be huge on that type of stuff so I was so stoked to get started on that and organize all kinds of events for our forums and and, and the things and the conversations that we were going to have and so I remember we were sitting in the office and I t- asked Karen I was like oh um is there a bathroom where I could you know like just just go to the bathroom and Karen was like, yeah, one of the girls will show you. So like the the program office or had a couple of secretaries, I guess, or admin, admin assistants that were there. And I asked one of the girls, I was like, hey, like um, Karen told me to ask you where the bathroom was. And so <laughs> I thought it was some sort of prank. I really did. And this is, again, just kind of touches upon the fact that we are so so like unaware completely ignorant to the fact that people have completely different ways of life 
But anyways, I asked one of the girls and the girl was like, yeah, it's just on that door or it's just past that door to your left. And so I walked down the hallway and this was like an actual, this was like a legit building, guys. Like it was made of like concrete and everything. There were walls. Like I don't, I don't want to sound ignorant, but like it literally was just like a building. You wouldn't know that you wouldn't know the difference between a building here versus a building there. Okay. So I walked through the door that she asked me to walk through, but I didn't see anything because it was just like dirt on the floor. And I was like, okay, they're probably playing a prank on me or something. Or they're like, this is like some sort of initiation or test or whatever. Right. So then I go over to the girl and I was like, yeah, I don't think I went through the right door. And she starts laughing and is like, what do you mean? And I was like, uh, like, I was kind of scared to ask again because I was new to this place. Right. So I didn't want to come off as like ignorant or like start off on the wrong foot. Right. So I was like, I, I don't know. Can you just show me or whatever? And then Karen came and asked me, like, what's wrong? And I was like, oh, like, I don't know where the bathroom is. And she was, she asked the girl in Swahili. She was like, did you tell her where the bathroom is? I'm assuming. I don't know any. I don't really know Swahili that well. And so she asked the girl, like, oh, did you show her? And then she was like, yeah, I did. But we can show her again. Like, I can show her where the door is and everything like that. So then the rest of the group of girls were all, like, staring at me. And they walked over behind me because they were following the one girl that was leading me to where the bathroom was. And so she goes to the door and was like, it's in this door. And it was the same door that I would that I had gone through the first time. And I was like, no, 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 no. But like, if you open the door, I felt I feel so stupid talking about this. But I was like, no, 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 no. no. Like, if you open the door, it's just dirt and it's just dirt there. But then I realized as she opened the door and like I stepped inside and everything like that from in the corner of the room, there was a bucket with water in it or like a, a bottle of water to pour into the bucket and I was like what like I had completely just froze right there and then I also noticed because it was very very dimly lit like there was like no lighting there so I could hardly see anything it was like a lot of natural light that was I guess cascading through the room and so I looked even closer and I seen there was a legit hole in the floor like a hole in the dirt like a very very deep 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 hole in the dirt where you had to do your business and I was just like I couldn't believe it I was like no like this has to be some no and I I didn't even know what to say because I didn't want to be rude and I didn't want to be like so like where's the toilet at you know like I didn't want to ask things like that but guys this is what I mean when like we are completely ignorant to some things and we don't even realize how privileged we are in in a lot of aspects and again I don't mean to come off as ignorant because I don't want this to generalize the idea that like every building or every office space or every place in Mombasa has a bathroom like that because my parents, my parents house, like we had a full, fully functioning toilet and everything like that. And Tamara's house too, like had a fully functioning toilet. But the office that I was working at in particular, they did not have that. So I was like, okay, so all right, I'll figure this out. So the rest of the girls, they're all giggling and like saying stuff in Swahili and just like being like, yo, this foreign girl, blah, blah, blah. They were probably talking mad crap about me, but whatever. I close the door and I'm standing there, like just like looking at the hole for a second. And I'm like, all right, well, all right, sis, like let's see how this works. So I see how like there's a bucket, there's water, and then there's also toilet paper as well to clean yourself off and then there's a trash bin very close to the very close to the bucket as well with where you can dump your um your garbage and everything so I was like okay like how is this gonna work how is this gonna work 
And I thought, I was like, okay, well, I'm thinking of like how it would be on a toilet. Sorry if this is TMI, but you can skip over this if you want. But I was like, okay, so like I'm thinking of how I would sit on a toilet. You squat. All right. And I just did my business in the hole. And then I was wondering what the bucket with water or like the water bottle was. So I was like, is it what I use to wash my hands? Do I use that to clean myself and everything and whatnot? And so I... (laughs) I obviously figured that I did need to clean myself up. So I used some of the water from the water bottle to clean myself off or whatever to like wipe myself down. And then I also realized that like (laughs) I didn't know what the bucket was for because I was like, am I supposed to pee? I honestly thought when I first saw it, I was like, do I need to pee in there? And then I just dumped the pee into the hole and then that's it. But then I thought that was counterintuitive because at that point you might as well just pee in the hole. So then when I got out, like I washed my hands with the water and everything and I got out and then Karen was standing out there and was like, are you okay? Like, it seemed like you took a little, a little bit of time in there. And she started laughing because she's used to it at this point. She's probably seen tons of foreigners come here and be like completely flabbergasted. And I was like, listen, Karen, I have a very dumb question to ask you. And she's like, there's no such thing as dumb questions. I was like, no, Karen, I'm pretty sure this is a very stupid question I'm about to ask. But what's the purpose of the bucket? And she like her eyes widen a little bit and she's like, oh, okay. so I'm assuming nothing like this is like you've never seen anything like this, have you? And the girls in the office, like the administrative assistants and the secretaries and like the other girls in the program or whatever, they start laughing. And I was just like, no, I haven't. To be honest with you, I haven't seen anything like that. And so she giggles a little bit with the girls and is like, okay, Sarah, I'm going to show you some things. So we go inside the washroom and she takes the bucket, fills it with water and dumps the water into the hole. And, and and that's when it clued in. Like I like it kicked in the whole idea of like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. Okay. Like I felt so stupid for asking because I realized I was like, okay, obviously because there's no toilet with a system that, you know, like kind of flushes everything, you have to figure out a way to be, to be able to flush it. So I took the bucket, yeah, we took the bucket and flushed whatever remains were down there in that hole, okay? I'm going to stop talking about it now. So I remember that as one of, like, the defining culture shock moments where I was like, holy crap, like, this is no joke. Like, I am not at home 110%. And I remember calling my mom that day and saying, like, hey, mom, like, have you ever had to do this before? Because not that Mexico or Ecuador are third world countries. They are very much actually um, very, very established countries and, and whatnot. So I but I, I still asked my mom anyways. I was like, listen, mom, like, have you had to do this before? Because she's traveled quite a bit um, in her youth. And so she started laughing and was like, Mija, what are you talking about? You've never done that before. Is that the first time you're doing that? And I was like, Yes. And she was like, oh, Miha, yes, like on the farm in Hong Kong, because my grandfather's family, some of the some of them live out there. She said she was like, yeah, they have they have um, a, a washroom like that where you just do your business in a hole and then you flush it with the bucket and then that's it. Same thing in Mexico. My my grandma's family, they own a farm out there. Actually, to this day, they still own that farm from where my grandma was growing up. And I, my dream is to visit that place. But besides the point, they have an outhouse where it literally looks like an outhouse. It looks just like one. Like, you know, in the movies, you, you know, OK, the only way that I can describe it is, you know, Shrek at the beginning credits of the of the of the movie where he's like doing his business or whatever. And he like comes out of the out of the washroom with like a and has like a little moon's crest on it or whatever. And like he's coming out of the outhouse from going to the washroom. Like that's legit what the outhouse at my grandma's farm looks like. 
And so it looks like that from the outside. So you're thinking, okay, there's probably a toilet in there. Nope. I remember when my sister went a really long time ago, she told us, she was like, nope, it's nothing like that. And it smells terrible. It's, it's horrendous. Thank goodness the place that I was, I was working at, like they regularly kept the place pretty clean. But when you're on a farm, like I'm talking like rancho, rancho, like the, in the Mexican cowboy movies, like this stuff is no joke. So anyways, that was like my first ever experience of like culture shock over there there were way more things to come when it came to that stuff but that one always just makes me laugh because like I realized at that point like even something as as minimal as a toilet like a proper toilet system is something that we overlook so so much and you're probably going to hear this a lot where I say that we overlook things and we overlook this and we overlook that but I'm telling you I'm telling you as somebody lived there who lived there for a decent amount of time like we really do not take enough credit for the fact that like our lives are so simple and that's why there's a thing called first world problems because truthfully first world problems are very much first world problems all right, guys, one last story for the road. And I know I promised I was going to be 25 minutes long, but hey, sometimes we make promises that we cannot keep. Anywho, I'm going to keep I'm going to try and keep this short, though. But basically, there was something that I noticed while I was there. So but aside from the culture shock, I think a lot of people had this. pre. So again, because I had this preconceived notion of what I thought Kenya was going to be like, I feel like it was also vice versa and i mean that in the sense where when people met me they had this preconceived notion of what being canadian is like or what living in canada is like and they think that we're like the richest people out there and i had to give them the very heartbreaking news that that is not the case for some of us um you know that we we also have that hustler's mentality where we got to get up every day and work and and feed our families and all that stuff so yeah, but I think the one thing that I really, really noticed, and I'm not going to lie, it bothered me a little bit sometimes, is the ignorance of people when I'd be walking on the street with my roommate or I'd be walking with my parents and people would throw racial slurs and not so kind things to me because they had assumed that I was white, which in what freaking world am I white, but... Again, the population there is diverse, but it's not as diverse as it would be here where we see people for, you know, I was born in Canada and, but my parents are from A, B, and C, right? Like a lot of people that I came in contact with over there, I'm not going to say everyone thinks that way, but a lot of people that I came in contact with when I was living in Kenya kind of assumed it was a black and white thing. Like nobody really, or you're either black, you're white, or you're Asian. It's There's nothing in between, or Indian. Some people did think I was Indian as well, but um, it's very it's very simple, I guess you could say. So something that really, but that was something that really bothered me at one point because I remember people would be pointing at me in the street, and this is why I tell people a lot that like I could not be famous. Like, or at least, like, a famous person to that caliber where, like, everybody follows them or everybody points at them or everybody, like, you know, like, it just gets way too overwhelming. Like, sure, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind if people knew me and, like, kind of saw me on the street and were like, hey, how are you, blah, blah, blah. Like, or at least, like, a decent human being and kind towards me. But it's just that overwhelming feeling of, like, having all eyes on you or, like, having people watch you so intently and being super judgmental towards you without even knowing who you are. It's it hurts i'm not gonna lie but the the one thing that i kind of was able to reflect on in that sense is i'm a foreigner in this country who am i 
who the hell am I to be complaining about the fact that I, you know, they should be treating me like this or they should be treating me like this? Like, yes, we do have to practice common human decency. That's not the point I'm trying to make here is the whole idea is I am visiting this place. Meaning I don't have any recognition of the certain customs or the certain ways of being that exist in this country. You know what I mean? So putting the, keeping that in mind, I had to really, really, really dig deep and be like, okay, listen, maybe this is the only time they've ever been exposed to a person that looks like me. And who am I to be the one that's angry and say like, yo, like you can't assume that, blah, 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 blah. Like there was an approach that I had to take when it came to things like this because it would happen a lot, especially when we would do outreaches. A lot of people would be touching my hair and a lot of people would be saying, again, racial slurs in Swahili. And it, it gave me the opportunity to, I guess, have a conversation with some of these people. Like I obviously did have a translator in Swahili. But I also was able to just sit down with some of these people and be like, listen, am I the first person that isn't black that you've come in contact with? Like this is this is the way that they speak like a lot of times is uh, when they would translate it, they would ask or they would say, like, is she the first person that you have seen that is not black? And it started these conversations that were really interesting and really just like, again, I don't want to be fake woke or anything like that because like that's not that's not the whole purpose. But the whole idea was that I was able to educate and let people know, like, listen, I had a preconceived notion of what Kenya was going to be like. And I know you have a preconceived notion of what I'm like because I come from somewhere else. But I think being able to build on these conversations and being able to be like hey listen like first of all I'm not white and I would never ever ever in a million years be considered white in my home country so nice it you gotta y'all gotta chill with that and then the second thing is that hey because I don't identify as white this is where I come from these are my roots and this is why I came here in the first place because there were again a lot of ideas where and I learned this in grad school too where where white people will come to what they consider to be malnourished countries or third world countries and think that they need our help. And I want to tell you that you don't have to travel thousands of miles across the world, thousands, 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 thousands of miles across the world just to help somebody out. You can literally do this within your own backyard, within your own community. And that is, in fact, what I was doing and continue to do to this day. But I felt like, again, there was just some sort of there was just some sort of feeling that I had that I wanted to travel and explore and experience the world. And because I had all these culture shocks and whatnot, it really gave me a dose of reality to see what the world is really like and that it's not just about you, you know, and it's not just about you coming there and saving all these people and being the white savior because that's that's what the term is. Being the white savior and being like, oh, my gosh, I helped all these people. So now my job is done. No, 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 no. That is only the first part of it. When you have gone to a place like this and you've helped people out, yes, that's great. You can feel great about yourself. But the lesson that you need to take away from and the thing that you need to take away from something like this is that I need to not only focus on people outside of my community, but also people within my community. And if anything, that kind of solidified my passion even more for working in nonprofit work because I did end up, when I did come back, I did end up you know, doing more research on communities that needed my help or needed needed somebody to come out there and help them out. And it's even worse when we can see it, you know, for ourselves within the GTA, we can see within ourselves, there's a crazy homeless population or, you know, lots of women shelters, they need that extra assistance and everything like that. Like these places need our help. And yet 
we're still stuck in this bubble where it's like, oh, well, if it's not affecting me, then who cares? Because I feel like that's really a lot, like, I'm going to probably ruffle some feathers here, but that's what a lot of people's mentality is, especially when this whole virus came around. The only time that it ever really affected anybody is when it affected them directly, because other than that, everybody else was living their lives perfectly fine. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Like, I mean, cool. Like, yeah, if it doesn't affect you, obviously you're not going to know about it. But it's kind of it's kind of frustrating when the only time that you ever want to care, the only time that you ever really want to reach out to people or really help somebody out is when something within your life is in danger or is something in your life is being threatened. So that's how I'm going to end it. I'm sorry, again, I rambled a little too long. And yeah, but I think this whole trip to Kenya is going to be a whole series because I have way too many things to share from that that trip. So if you do want to hear more about that, hit me up on Instagram at SoDeasy or if you just want to chat, if you want to ask me something, or if you want to recommend something to me, well then hit me up on Instagram, yeah, and uh, or via email, which is SoDeasyPodcast at gmail.com. I promise I do read messages from people. I do. And I do cater my episodes based on what people tell me. So I don't want anybody thinking that I'm not listening to what they're saying. It just takes me a little bit of time to kind of gather all the all the stories or all of the way I want to structure each episode, okay? Because I record these in advance. But any hoosies, I hope you all are having a wonderful Friday and it's August, which what the heck, what, what, what in the world? Okay, cool, love that. I'm going to be 27 in a few weeks and that grosses me out to no end. But anyways, I love you guys so very much and until next time, as always black lives matter indigenous lives matter immigrant lives matter and god loves you so 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 much so so very much okay bye